You are listening to the Mile Straight Podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Well, good morning. We're so glad you're here at Mile Straight. I want to uh, take a second with the lacrosse team. I, uh, I knew about lacrosse, and, uh, but did not know how rough that sport was until I went to watch some. Um, to see, uh, and forgive me for only knowing one name among you guys, but uh, because I'm around him a lot, I can remember his name, Ben. To see him totally plow over this one guy, I felt so sorry for that poor boy trying to drag himself off the ground. And I'm wondering, is the goalie here? He's, he's not. To see someone with a four-foot stick or whatever it is you call that thing, fleeing that baseball at his head, I, uh, I'm telling you what, I... I don't see how in the world you guys live through that. I honestly don't. I, uh, I'm amazed by that. But uh, so glad you're here. Uh, we are so proud of your accomplishments. And uh, this community stands behind you. We hope that more people will come to know about this incredible sport. And we'll give you more support next year uh, as you move toward your second state championship. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to discuss a topic that, for some of you at least, the title will be quite familiar. Uh, before I get to that, let me just say, if you would, in your bulletin, you'll find a study guide. If you'll grab that out, feel free to take a clipboard and a pen from the book racks, and uh, we'll be ready to start. But we're talking about the title of a 1964 song by Bob Dylan called, The Times They Are a-Changin'. Now that was re-recorded by many different authors or many different artists through the years. The most notable, at least to me, was Billy Joe. I mean, he was always one of my favorites. But many different people played that over. It was an anthem or a call to arms, basically, for the movement of changing what was traditional to become what was anything but traditional. And uh, uh, his, his call to uh, two arms was, was noted very well. He was quite a leader in all of the chaos and, and stuff that went on during the 60s. Bob Dylan was. For us, I'm not calling us to some sort of a political change or even a cultural change, but the reason I'm using the title this morning is because of the fact that if you look into Psalm 77, what you find is that in the life of the author, and by the way, we don't know, necessarily know who that is. We can't pinpoint exactly who the author of this psalm is. But in the life of this author, he was going through quite a bit of change in his life. If you read through the entire chapter, you find that there's a lot of notable changes taking place. We're only going to focus our attention on verses 7 through 14. And in these eight verses, you're going to find that there are four really big changes happening. And it all has to do, deal with not necessarily politics, not necessarily uh, societal uh, happenings, but had to do with a relationship, a relationship between he and God. And we'll see this unfold as we make our way through the study. It's really, 
it's really a neat way to view it because in my opinion we have come to understand I imagine all of us that difficult times come into life problems come into life this is just what life is made up of is the way life consists and through the process we understand that while it's hard now it won't always be like that God has in fact brought us here not to stay but to equip us to prepare us and then to move us on to the next part of life for the psalmist he's going to be very very completely in in knowledge of that because he's going to see it unfolding in his own life so let's just jump right in let's don't waste time number one if you've got your study guide ready get ready to fill this in because the first thing we see is that the psalmist is living in times of doubt in times of doubt now this is not where we see him beginning if you know anything about the psalmist, you know that these are people with whom God is working directly through them to produce his Bible, the scriptures in its entirety. He's talking through them. He's working through their lives. And so as a result, you know that this guy is a solid guy. And yet when he begins where we will start reading, you find him in a very serious time of doubt in his life. I can't imagine. For some of us, we'd look at that and say, well, that can't be possible. I mean, he's an author in the Bible. He's a guy that God was using in a very powerful way. It can't be possible that he was living through times of doubt, doubting whether or not God had turned his back on the people or not. I mean, he knew what the Bible had to say. He knew that God had said, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. And while that is applicable to all of us, it was very specifically directed to the children of Israel. And so he knew that. He knew that this was God's chosen people. And yet in the middle of the chaos of life during that time, the middle of the problems that were enveloping the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, he took to himself a time of doubt that was creating some real problems in his life. Real problems. I mean, time of despair. We see the depth of his despair and the questions that he asks in verses 7 through 9. If you will, take a look there. He begins to ask these questions. He says, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be faithful or favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all times? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? See, has God turned his back on us? Man, I cannot imagine the heart-wrenching pain that he was facing. Has God turned his back on us? For a lot of us, we can empathize with what the psalmist is feeling here. I, I mean, we can really feel it in our lives because we've been there. We've been in those difficult times. We've been in those times of, of, of pain and sorrow and suffering. We've been in those times to the extent that it's brought us to a place of doubt, a, a stage of doubt in our lives. And so we can sympathize and we can empathize with what the psalmist is feeling because we've been there. In fact, it may even be that there are people in the audience today or watching over the internet that are there right now. You, you may find yourself in the middle 
of some of your life's darkest moments right now. And it may even be that through this you're just wondering, well, where's God in all this? I mean, has he totally abandoned me? Has he totally forgotten that I am his child? You know, I'm specifically now talking to people who are part of the family of God. Those of us who have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ have been brought into this this relationship with Almighty God, we've come to expect God's work in our lives. We've come to expect His movement through His Spirit in our lives. And, and as a result, we, we really come to a place of desperation when we feel that God has withdrawn Himself from us. And yet we know that happens. Not that God has abandoned us, no, but that God is up to something. God is up to something. And for me, as I've thought about this quite a lot, I've come to the place of trying to figure out, okay, what is God up to in those times when he just seems to pull away? We know the scripture just as the psalmist did, and therefore we have a complete understanding that he's not abandoning us. But we also know the scripture to understand that God has a plan for our lives. And that in his plan, everything that he allows into our lives, everything that he brings into our lives has a very specific purpose. And so since we know that, we understand that even God withdrawing, even the thought that somehow God isn't there, that his presence isn't felt, even the times when it seems that God is not listening to our prayer, we know that God is up to something even then. And as I've thought about it, I've studied it, I've come up with a lot of reasons, just three of which I'd like to share. First of all, it is obvious that sometimes God withdraws from us, removes His his closeness, and, and it seems that He's gone deaf to us in times of discipline. And just as a parent disciplines their child, God disciplines his children. And there are times when we have gone so deeply into sin that God will just step back and say, Okay, you know, if you want to do this yourself, let's just see how far it gets you. Let's see how far it gets you. And he'll, he'll remove his presence a little bit from us in order to wake us up, to cause us to remember how badly we need him in our lives. And so sometimes God will use this as a means of discipline. It's also true that if God is not using it as a means of discipline, or maybe even in addition to discipline, that he is also working to strengthen our faith, to grow our faith, to mature us. There are times when God just wants us to acknowledge that he is God, that He is in control, that He has a plan. And even though we don't see it, we don't understand it, even though we're in difficult circumstances, even though there is much sorrow and tears on our pillow, we don't know why it is, but we understand that He is God. And God wants to grow us through this process. It is also the case that through this growth process, number three, God also wants to equip us. He wants to prepare us For what's next in life. There may be something on the horizon. God knows it's coming. God knows it's there. And he knows we're not ready for it. And as a result, he needs to grow us, to mature us, to prepare us for that which is about to follow. 
It may also be through this equipping mode that he's preparing us to be able to help someone else in time of need. It happens, doesn't it? That we've just gone through something horrible and lo and behold, what happens? But we come across someone else who is right in the middle of that same thing. And God in his mercy has equipped us and prepared us through difficulty so that we are ready then to assist them in the process. What a blessing. And so God works through these times of withdrawal. God works even through the times of doubt in our lives. To discipline, to, to strengthen, and to equip. Certainly the psalmist was growing to understand this. Now, now I believe he knew it all along. But he had gotten into such a horrible place that the nation of Israel was in such a bad time that it caused him to doubt. It caused him to withdraw. But then came where the times were changing. Then came this place where now all of a sudden the psalmist number two, your second fill-in, steps into times of clarity. Times of clarity. It's almost as if He's in this great shroud of darkness and all of a sudden it's lifted off for a brief moment and he can see clearly. I liken this to a hunting trip I took back. I believe, best I can remember, it was in the early 90s. I think it was probably 91, 92. Uh, We had been drawn for a special hunt in Middle Tennessee and a group of people, some who are in the audience today, were, were part of that group. And we went to this particular place on an evening. I think it was on a Thursday evening. might have been a Wednesday evening. And we set up camp, and it was starting to get dark. But myself and uh, Andy Steele, Gary and Lena's son, Andy Steele, we decided we were going to walk out into the woods and uh, look for tracks, try to find us a place to set up our spot in the morning. And uh, before we left, my brother-in-law, Vance, gathered us around. He said, okay, now listen. Through this whole place, the width of it, there is a ridge here. And so if you go walking down the road and the ridge is on your left, you remember when you come back, that ridge has got to be on your right. If you go over the ridge, then you know if you want to get back, you've got to come back over the ridge because there's just one, one ridge. So you remember that, how important that information was going to become because as we went over the ridge we were looking and we weren't paying much attention and before we knew it we had gotten turned around in the woods and we were lost now I doubt that Andy ever told anyone about this I didn't tell anyone I was way too proud uh, matter of fact it's been what uh, it's been uh, nearly 20 years and this is the first time it's ever come out of my lips Uh, To my memory, the first time I've ever decided to share this. Y'all just pulled the worst out of me for some reason. So here here we are, we're wandering through the woods, and honestly, even though we were, you know, we were in our, I was in my 30s, he was in his late teens, maybe early 20s, we were starting to, to freak out a little bit. I mean, a little bit of panic was setting in, a little bit of fear, Neither of us would admit that there was fear there. And Andy may not have felt fear, but I felt fear. I was, I was a little bit concerned because it was getting cold. We didn't expect to be in the woods that long. Therefore, neither of us had flashlights. We didn't have our guns. 
we had nothing except my panic. And, uh, and, and, and then as if in the middle of all this fear and this darkness, a little light broke through and I remembered what Vance said. And I, I turned around and I looked and I could see the outline of the ridge in front of us. I said, Andy, we've got to go back over that ridge. And he said, no, I think it's this other way. And I said, no, remember what Vance said. And, and we turned around, we crossed over the ridge, and lo and behold, as we crest the top of the ridge, we could look down and see the trucks and the campers and the tent set up, and we knew that we had found where we were going. I, I kind of envision what the psalmist going through as something very similar to that, that there he is, he's wandering in this darkness of doubt and he feels so overwhelmed by what's taking place. And all of a sudden, there's a little light breaks through as he recalls what God has told him. Even though he knew it before, the, the doubt and the fear had caused him to lose sight of what God had told him. And all of a sudden, the light breaks through and he begins to remember, Oh yeah, God has promised he will not leave, he will not forsake. Oh my, what in the world was I concerned over? And we see this light break through. Look at verse 10. He says, then I said, oh, in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of all this fear, in the middle of all this doubt, then I said, I will appeal to this. I'm going to place my, my faith in this through the years of the right hand of the Most High. And you may remember what, God talks about, according to his right hand, he talks about, with my righteous right hand, I will protect you, I will uphold you. It was a sign of his strength, of his authority, of his power. I will care for you. And in this moment of doubt, the light breaks through and this clarity breaks out. And the psalmist said, I will appeal to the fact that I know the goodness of God. And it is this time of clarity then that breaks out into number three, this time of recollection. Time of recollection. Where the psalmist begins to recall the goodness of God. Not just in specific verses, but now in examples, in illustrations. I see the goodness of God. I see the power of God working in my life. I see the authority of God over my life. The psalmist begins to, to recall back to the place where God had brought the children of Israel out of a time of great difficulty. No doubt he's thinking about the time when... God delivered the children of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. For a while it seemed as if God had withdrawn himself from them. It seemed that God had abandoned them. I can imagine for the people who were stuck in slavery, they were wondering, where is God in all of this? And then all of a sudden, God sees that it's time. What I've wanted you to learn through this process you have now learned. Not that you're perfect. We see that as soon as they get in the wilderness. They begin to rebel against God. They didn't make it to perfect. None of us ever will on this side of eternity. But yet they had they'd gotten to this place of being prepared. If it was discipline that God was delivering to them through this process, that time of discipline was over. And now it was time for God to lead them out of Egypt through the Red Sea 
into the place which he would deliver for them that he had promised them, he had given them as an inheritance. And as the psalmist recalled these things, as he thought back to what God had done, it began to refresh his spirit. It began to strengthen his spirit. Not that it changed his situation. Please understand this. It didn't all of a sudden remove him from his problems. He was still in the same problems. He was still going through the same difficulties. And yet God had refreshed his spirit because the psalmist began to recall the goodness of God. The goodness of God. He serves as such an incredible example for us. For us when we face difficult times, when we face problems, when we face times of sorrow or heartbreak. We recall the psalmist. And I believe there's a pattern set forth that we can follow to help remove ourselves from the shroud of doubt. To help get us out of this darkness in which we find ourselves. Not that we'll be removed from the situation, but even in the middle of situation, we can have peace. We can have joy. And what is that? I believe, first of all, we begin with a time of self-examination. To where we just examine our lives. We look, okay, God, is this an act of discipline? If you got me here, do you seem to have withdrawn from me as a means of disciplining my life? Is there sin in my life? Is there something in which I have rebelled against you, is what we're saying. And so we begin to examine our lives. And if we find something that's very blatant, or something that we've kind of tucked away, we've kind of hidden from everyone else, then we deal with that accordingly. If we don't find it there, then we know that God is still up to something. It's not that He's brought us here and is just going to leave us. No, we're, we're a child of God. And therefore, God's doing something. So then, what do we do next? Next, we begin to reflect and say, Okay, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn? Help me to see it. Help me to understand. Help me to get it. Help me to get it. One of the things I pray when I'm going through something hard is, God, help me get it this time. Help me to get it this time. Because I don't want to go through this again in a few months. So help me just to learn what you want me to know this time. And I believe the psalmist had come to this place of reflection where he was examining his life. He was thinking about his nation. And then possibly he began to say, okay, God, what is it you want us to learn through this process? What do you want us to know? How are you trying to mature us? How are you trying to grow us? Now, it may be that God still seems to be distant. It may be that God seems to still be withdrawn from us during this process. And so, what do we do? We reflect back on God's goodness. We come to this point of clarity where we know God has not deserted us. Where we know that God is always good. God is always faithful. And so instead of saying, well, God's not listening, I'm just going to stop. We just keep praying, God, what is it you want me to know? Help me to learn it. God, what is it you want me to know? Help me to learn it. Because we know God is at work in our lives. We know God is at work. There's one final part to this, and this is the part that we very obviously see 
in the life of the psalmist, this point of recollection. Now, I believe that uh, it's, it's very important that we begin to record the goodness of God. That in those good days, in those times that are very joyful and everything seems to be going as we want it to, that we write down God's faithfulness and God's goodness to us. And as we read through the Bible, we write down examples in the Bible of how God has been faithful. And we see it in the lives of the disciples. And we see it in the lives of the prophets and those who pursued after God. And we write those things down. And we write down the promises of God along with that. We write down the promise where God said, I will uphold you with my right hand. We write down the promise where God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then we review it often. And when we come to times of doubt, we come to problems and difficulties that seem to be weighing us down, that seem to be destroying our future and our hope. What do we do? We pull out our little notebook and we begin to read about the faithfulness of God. And the more we read about the faithfulness of God, the more we're reminded, the more the shroud is lifted, the more the darkness is removed, and the more clearly we can see that God is up to something in our lives. Well, as the psalmist moves then through these first three stages, through this, the stage of doubt, through the times of, uh, of, of, of observation, or, or this time when he, he came to see more clearly, this time of clarity, through the time of recollection, it brings him finally to number four, a time of resolve time of resolve where he just becomes very resolute in his opinion of God where he just, he just sets in stone this is the way I feel about God it doesn't matter about my circumstances it doesn't matter about the problems it doesn't matter how difficult this is what I know about God look at verses 13 and 14 he says your way O oh God is holy what God is great like our God you are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the people. God, in times like this, I could easily back up into a corner and just hide myself because of the problems. But instead, what I choose to do is to trust your goodness. Instead, what I choose to do is in the middle of the problems, in the middle of the difficulties, is to trust your greatness and your faithfulness and your mercy upon me. What an amazing concept. What an amazing example that God is up to something in our lives. May not be the way we want him to be up to something. Who of us really enjoys pain? Who of us really enjoys sorrow? Who of us really enjoys disappointment? And yet when we recognize the goodness of God, we can recognize that even in the difficulties, God is doing something great in our lives. So then what do we do? We surrender ourselves even more to Him. To say, God, train me, mature me, grow me, equip me. 
Whatever you've got in mind, God, I may not like the process, but I sure do like where you're taking me. I know I can trust you. So what about it? Are you in a time of doubt? Are you in a time of, of, of difficulty, of problems that are overwhelming? God has a purpose for you being there. And so it's a matter now of saying, okay, God, I want to examine my life. I want to find out if there's something here that this is an act of discipline upon. And, and so we examine our lives and then we, we, we move to, to correct those problems that are found. From there, we begin to say, okay, God, now, what do you want me to know through this? God, teach me, train me, equip me. Would you follow the example of the psalmist? Would you stand with me, please?